0: Wretched Radio begins in three, two one. Now, I am not reintroducing the
1: idea of purgatory, but on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief, when you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make
0: up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's The Wretched Radio, Mail Call, Delivery Bag, Q&A, Infotainment, Nationwide Extravaganza, featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh! This
2: is Wretched Radio, just enjoying my voice. Freel, all it does is agitate us. I'm just saying, <laughs> lost my lower end a couple of weeks ago, actually, and it's been <laughs> slow in returning, but it's, it's arriving. And I'm very grateful to the Lord that I now have almost full range. Apparently, Jimmy, I guess, <laughs> pff, pff, <laughs> Imagine, I was being too loud for too long on radio one day and it kind of went kafritz no. on the bottom you ever lose your lower end yes
1: but okay you, what what how does that happen you just talk too much <laughs> i mean <laughs> that happened that that's why it okay. happened but all hey all right
2: no no it's and, fine damage done <laughs> The missile hit.
1: Listen, our listeners didn't know you lost your bottom end because I would always put it back in for you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a range thing. You just know where the top of it is and the the bottom of it is. And I have to confess to you, it's sort of like nail clipping. It just gets my goat when I hear people who don't know their vocal range. And so they're they're always like flat, either at the top or at the bottom. There's this woman on HGTV. I'm telling you, she never eats anything. Why? Because she's constantly swallowing her words and she's full. I was kind of down here. It's like, learn your range. Find it. Thankfully, the Lord is returning mine. I wanted to give a public thank you to God for taking care of such trite things. And thank you for sending questions. What? You've got a smirk on your face.
1: No, I'm just thankful, too, because that saves me time. (laughs) You know what? That was such a blessing you said that
2: because I had forgotten that it's all about you. I think. (laughs) So thank you for
1: that. And thank you for sending questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. We start with Joe. Todd, I am concerned that genuine Christians will soon be persecuted, censored and (laughs) canceled. Yeah. Uh, for being confused with a different kind of secularist Christian yep. that's part of the post-religious right. Mm-hmm. So how can we steer clear of this?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure you're going to be able to because darkness doesn't discriminate. You, you'll see this overseas when the religion not of peace goes about the business of burning down a church or killing people that have a cross somewhere on their person. Do they discriminate between Catholic, Protestant, even? Nope, they don't care. They just take off their heads. And the same thing I fear is going to be true in this country. The current effort, in my opinion, this is just observational. Christian nationalism is the brand that they seek to sizzle onto each and every one of us because they're defining Christian nationalism basically as if you're a Christian nationalist, you would have been at January 6th inside of the Capitol. And clearly, that's terrible. You're trying to destroy democracy. And if that tag sticks, you will be tagged by it. Even if that isn't the modus operandi for how you feel some form of persecution, uh, to some degree, we are all going to be challenged to either boldly proclaim, sorry, I'm a Christian. Now you can call me whatever moniker you think is appropriate. I'm just telling you, I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Here I stand. I can do no other. Or you're going to be, you're going to be forced to recant or to be quiet. We should all be getting prepared for that day because darkness does not discriminate. Please send questions, comments, conundrums,
1: whatever, to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this one comes from Belgium. I can't say his name, though. Um, no, go ahead. We'll wait. <laughs> I'm from Tennessee. I can't. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's fine. Sujerd? Oh, I see. S-J-O-E-R-D. I I can't say that. (laughs) Seared? Maybe. Yeah, I'm from Minnesota, so I got that nailed, (laughs) I hope. He has a tough question. Uh, Mr. Friel, I'm going through a period of feeling kind of alienated from God. I started by Christian walk very strongly, um, but now I'm going through a hard time. My prayer life is cold. My desire to know the Bible is somewhat gone, and I do feel guilty about all of this. I love Christ, and I want to know him, but I get so distracted in my day-to-day life. Am I truly saved in the first place? You have two children.
2: You instruct them to go clean the garage. The one says, absolutely, Papa, because that's what they call dads in Sweden. Belgium, 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 I think is the actual pronunciation. And this child seems Johnny on the spot. You got it, Captain. The other one, I don't want to clean the garage. I'm in the middle of a video game. You leave it to them to make a decision, knowing that there might be some consequences. And you return in a half an hour. And lo and behold, Johnny on the spot isn't in the garage, hasn't done a thing. But the one who wanted to play the video games is out there. Now, he ain't doing a great job, but he's doing the job. With which child are you more pleased? What does this have to do with Belgium? A lot. God is well pleased with you when you're obedient, even when you don't feel like it. There are seasons. There can be times. It might be brief. It could be protracted, but there will be times where it's just kind of hard, for whatever reason. There, it's spiritual peaks and valleys. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like praying. I don't feel as connected to God as I once was. Do it anyway. Just do it. This is the solution. If you're like feared, then you need to read your Bible and you'll want to read your Bible. You say, wait a second, he doesn't want to read his Bible and you're telling him to read his Bible. That's right, because if you read your Bible when you don't want to read your Bible, you'll want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray, then pray, and you'll want to pray. You don't want to worship, then worship, and you will want to worship some more. And by the way, this might be a quick fix for you if you happen to be in a little bit of a valley at the moment. Get into your car and turn on your favorite Christian jam and let it fly high. Preferably something theologically rich. It will it'll make your heart soar. It'll give you joy. Got it. I'm stuck up. All right, if you're on millennial, you're a post tribber You probably won't appreciate this song. I'm stuck on a song. <laughs> Two guys who can belt. Charles Billingsley, and Clay Cross. They're at First Baptist Church, Bentonville, Arkansas, headquartered with right next to Walmart, Walmart which yeah. is their headquarters. And they were singing a song, Midnight Cry. I hear the sound of a mighty Russian wind; it's closer now than it's ever been. I can, I can almost hear the father saying, Son, go get your children. And at the midnight cry, we'll be going home. Now. Whew, what a thought. What a picture. Jesus is going to come back. Everybody's going to know it. Nobody's going to go, who's that? No matter what language they speak, they're going to know. Because their conscience has been screaming at them for years, and God has buried a sense of the divine inside of us. We know he exists. And when Jesus makes his return appearance, it is going to be spectacular, and you're going with them. And quite honestly, I don't care if you're pre-trib, post-trib, you're going with them. (laughs) Your eschatology ain't going to change that fact. If you were in Christ, you're going to go flying in the sky to a heavenly abode where you get to be with the king forever. Sing about that. Find a song that you love to let go on. Get into your car. Make sure the windows are rolled up. Please make sure the window and make sure your cell phone for whatever. It's like not one of those. <laughs> I called somebody and they've been listening to me sing along with Charles Billingsley and Clay Cross, which, by the way, I think they could have used my help. Please find a way to be obedient when you don't feel like being obedient and you'll want to be obedient furthermore because this is such a persistent concern of so many people, there are likely things that you're not doing or that you are doing that might be connected, and you need to go on a little bit of a search and rescue. You need to find out, okay, what am I, what am I not doing that I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, I'm not serving at church. I better get on that. That'll increase your assurance. How are you holding up under persecution or strain? that'll increase your assurance. That's what persecution does. When you suffer and you endure it, ah, that's because God is supernatural and he brought me through this. Or maybe you are doing something. It is not uncommon for me to receive an email that says, hey, I'm really struggling with knowing that I'm safe and I'm not suggesting this about you, Seward. But I do hear this from a lot of men in particular, even though women's pornography viewing rates are on the uptake I just don't have assurance. I respond, are you looking at porn? How did you know? Well, Because you're a guy and they're usually connected. There might be a sin in your life that you need to get on, that you need to start mortifying. You've compromised a little bit. Your eyes have been lingering longer than they used to. Mortify sin, and you will have increasing assurance. And the best thing you can do to know that you're saved is send questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. That was a lie, but we hope you do anyway. This is Wretched Radio how's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home would you please visit medishare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com
1: slash Wretched. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched Store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already, Already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretchedorg donate. Wretched. Amazing grace, amazing gospel.
2: If and you don't mind me saying so, I resonate with this sentiment from Dan Steiner of Preborn Ministries. To be able to look across America and see this Holocaust of abortion and know that people like you are doing something about it. It's one thing to say that we're against abortion, but it's really another to take action. Do you resonate? with that sentiment, then please consider supporting pre-born ministries. Ultrasounds save lives. For $28, you will be providing an ultrasound that 80% of the time causes the mother to choose life. That's really doing something. May I ask, how many babies' lives could you save for $28 each? Preborn Ministries also preaches the gospel to the mommies and the daddies. And you can learn more at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched.
0: Know your church fathers. Athenagoras was a Christian philosopher in Athens who used his training to defend the Christian faith against Roman persecution. He wrote on the resurrection of the dead, arguing that the nature of God, the nature of humanity, and the concept of justice only makes sense if there is a physical resurrection. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't tell me you didn't know I was going to play this. Now I've been looking all around
2: me. This is Wretched Radio. That's Clay Cross. And I see the few prophecies
1: fulfilled.
2: Singing with Charles Billingsley, who's going to blow the roof off in a second.
1: Signs of the times, they're appearing.
2: Doesn't make your heart sore.
0: What
2: a picture. listen to that all day and frankly uh, i have this is wretched radio jimmy you're probably not a fan of that kind of music are well, you well
1: i am um you didn't like it no i, li- I did like are it. you saved <laughs> i was gonna compliment you on and your, your dj ability i did pretty good well no you stepped all over the song man <laughs> <laughs> well for me that was actually pretty good
2: You've proven your point. You can listen to it all day. Thank you very much for sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. And thank you for tolerating maybe some music you're not nuts about. Then find music that you do dig. Get into your car and start singing it. I'm telling you, it'll bring you joy. There's something about singing theologically rich music that just stirs your heart. Find your song and jam man
1: and send whatever to idea at wretched.org so bill doesn't have a correction just yet <laughs> right now he's giving you the opportunity to explain yourself to it it's not explain that that's what he says in no a it's subject. not
2: explain okay it's apostrophe explain okay well i was just reading i, I wanted to be oh you I, wanted to be faithful to the letter writer that's okay. right
1: <laughs> he said todd I, I wonder if you could explain why exactly mortgage isn't a debt
2: Hmm. Well, technically it is. It's secured, which means it's not a high-risk debt. We have to harmonize all of the verses the Bible uses to describe borrowing, lending, debt. And I think the total package, and this really was probably initiated mostly by John Calvin during the Protestant Reformation, that it's not wrong to borrow money if it's safer, if it's secure, if it is something that isn't high risk, if it is something that you can pay back with unless something really extraordinary were to happen, there's nothing wrong with taking a loan. And that is why I don't think that it is a sin to have a mortgage. It's a secured debt. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this was in conjunction with giving that you shouldn't give if you don't got if you're in debt, in other words, it's not a secure debt. So, for instance, it's a student loan. Oh, wait, we're wiping all of those out. Jimmy, I can't wait to get my checks because <laughs> our kids graduated without debt. What about me and my needs, President Biden? That isn't a secure debt. Now, let's just say you graduated with your degree, and $50,000 in debt, which is not uncommon these days. In fact, I I bet the average might even be higher than that. And you have a job that is rock solid. You've got it under control. It's just a standard sort of affair that you pay it every month, perhaps like your car payment or your mortgage. You should be giving to God what you can. But if you have that student debt, which is unsecured, and your job is, you're just, you're living on the edge. You can't give what you don't have. Work like crazy to get out of debt or just fill out some forms at we're not fair.gov and get out of debt so that you can give because I don't think that you should be giving when you don't have to go further in debt. It's not your money to give and I don't think that honors the Lord. I know there's some folks who would say you give anyway. Because God will bless you. Eh, I don't think that's right. You can't give from the heart what you don't possess. So get out of your unsecured debt and start giving to God. And now I sense a snark is coming. Or is it a correction?
1: No. no well, you said. Well, uh, well um, yeah, he a little bit. But he gave you the opportunity to explain yourself. Yeah. Um, he just wanted to know um, where, you, where that line of reasoning came from. The Bible. Because it, it felt like uh, <laughs> that you were propagating an illogical col- conclusion.
2: Yeah, I just think, let's say that I borrowed a really large sum of money for some watermelon seeds because I thought that I was going to plant them in my backyard and sell watermelons and make a lot of money. So I can give it to the church, of course. Okay, don't do that. That's, that's kind of a bad idea. I don't think that that is the type of debt we should be getting into. Now you say, what about starting a business? Well, I think risk factor needs to be in view. So you should have a business plan. You should run it by people with business experience. You should run it by the banker. You're going to have to anyway if you're seeking to get a loan. And if it's something risky, some watermelon-growing scheme, well, duh, nah. But if it's something that's sound... If it's something that has been proven, you've checked all of the boxes, then it's up to the individual. But you can feel decent about taking a loan because it's not a risky loan. Those are the types of debts we want to avoid. Please send whatever to idea at
1: wretched.org. All right, so I'm going to start with the question. Uh, Lauren wants to know if there's a biblical way of understanding intellectual property. And uh, so she gives a scenario here where she says she runs an online business where she sells products that she designs. And she ran across another maker selling an unquestionably copied version <laughs> of one of her products. And she's wrestled with how to handle the situation, whether she should defend it or not.
2: Well, that I, I would say that's up to each individual. But let me just encourage you. It is so much better to be stolen from than to have to steal. If you've created something and people knock it off, well, how cool. <laughs> I see it as a compliment when it happens cool then it was something worthwhile they thought that that comment whatever came out of my yammer was worth repeating I, I see that as just very groovy that the Lord put something on my tongue that was beneficial and worth repeating so I see it really as more of a compliment and when somebody ha- if they have to steal something well God bless them And I don't mean that in a Southern kind of way. God bless them. Let's, you know, hope that it works out for them. And then you just put your nose down and you just keep grinding away, thanking God that he has given you the skills that somebody wants to take from. I thought you were going to go the plagiarism route. Uh, No,
1: no. Idea (laughs) at wretched.org. All right, this one is from John. He says, hi, Todd. In your recent talk about manhood, uh, you talked about how a husband should sacrifice And I do not disagree with that, but my question is, how much should a husband sacrifice? Is there a maximum or a minimum?
2: Well, it depends on where you put death on a cross on the spectrum. That's how far we're supposed to go. For others, Jesus Christ, who did not demand worship, who didn't demand that everybody bowed down, set aside divine prerogatives, humbled himself to the point of death, death on a cross. And Paul in Philippians 2 tells us that's how we're supposed to be thinking. Now, is there ever a time where you do something for somebody that maybe shouldn't be done because it teaches them a lesson? Yeah, I don't think that I want to say, but you just always have to sacrifice no matter what. There can be some circumstances, but the principle is clear, especially husbands with wives, because we're playing the role of Jesus. Now, please note Colossians 2, we're both supposed to be conformed into his image. But we also see, no, Ephesians 4, that we're both supposed to be conformed into his image. But then in Ephesians 5, it talks about the relationship and that this is a picture of the gospel. The man plays the role of Jesus. The woman plays the role of church. So, sir, you are called to sacrifice a lot. Why? Because of what has been sacrificed For you, this
1: is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. A British hospital has canceled a woman's life-saving surgery because she objected to having a transgender nurse. Princess Grace Hospital in London told the anonymous woman that it had to protect staff from unacceptable distress though i guess it wasn't too concerned about protecting the patient's life and performing critical surgery no your life-saving surgery is not as important as this person's feelings yeah that's very 2022. as is the social security administration announcing earlier this week that americans now can self-select their gender when filling out their records the ssa implemented the change and the new option is available now The policy will accept a person identifying as a male or a female even if the gender is different from the designation assigned on other documents, such as their passport or driver's license. Aside from the ridiculousness of this, let's see how much turmoil this is going to cause when you have multiple documents claiming a person is both male and female. It's not going to end well. Our favorite Whoopi, Goldberg, that is, is back in the news. She recently interviewed Democratic Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams and said that, quote, everyone is now suffering from systemic racism, including white women. So does that mean she's calling herself racist against white women? I'm having a hard time making that one make sense. Well, the Ohio Supreme Court recently affirmed the death sentence for a transgender prisoner who was convicted of murder and blamed original attorneys for failing to investigate evidence of significant trauma and mental illness, including gender dysphoria. Joel Drain was convicted and sentenced to death in 2019 for killing a fellow inmate at Warren Correctional Institute. Drain, who was serving a 38-year sentence for stabbing and strangling another man to death years prior, tried to recruit the fellow inmates to murder another inmate that Drain believed was a convicted child molester. Well, he does have some standards, I guess. But salute to the Ohio Supreme Court for upholding his death sentence. And we'll end the week with some good news. A video recently released by the Religious Freedom Institute shows that Baylor University's men's basketball coach addressed how winning the game of life matters more than championship titles, trophies, or fame. Head basketball coach Scott Drew of the Baylor Bears said, quote, "...seeing spiritual growth and players who accept Christ, players who maybe prayed for the first time with the team, players who get baptized, players who come back and get Bible studies and go to church, and those things are more exciting than winning any basketball game. Pinpoint perfect theology or not, I'll amend that statement. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 385 A.D., In Milan, Bishop Ambrose defies the Empress. This event helped to establish the precedent of the Church confronting the state when necessary to protect Christian teaching and oppose injustice and corruption in government. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Scary.
2: Very, very
0: scary.
1: You
2: scare me. This is wretched radio hoping you'll call us do anything but just call 1877282 beep with questions comments conundrums dare I say
1: snarks hey you're talking about harboring bitterness and how are you going to respond when you're working with people i found i can respond correctly, biblically, externally, but internally, I'm angry and I'm upset when they're thinking incorrectly, of course, in my view and how I read scripture and, and, uh, on something that seems pretty clear, you pray about it, but like my heart's not in it. I can act it externally, but... I'm mad inside. I'm irritated inside. And I know we've said, you said before, well, look how patient God was with you. You need to show that. So so what does it look like to love those those people in your family like that?
2: (laughs) Anybody relate to that? Mm -hmm. Yep. You're trying to stifle it, Edith, but inside you're roiling. What do you do? Let me suggest James chapter one. Keep stifling. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Conversely, the righteousness of God is produced when we are not angry people. So what does that actually look like? Your kid does something, it's boneheaded. And you don't blow a gasket, you just, mm, you do, and then you try to speak to them lovingly and encouragingly to help them perhaps alter their course. But inside it ain't quite matching. That's okay. You keep doing that, and it will increasingly produce the righteousness of God in you. And believe me, I am not even remotely close to perfect in this regard, but I have seen a bit of progress in my life. And I think that that comes perhaps just from time, some discipline and practice, that you have a better understanding of the effects of sin because we have a tendency to see other people sin and be incredulous, don't we? How can they possibly do so? I don't do that thing. Well, of course we do a million other things, but let's just give ourselves credit. Where credit is due and say we don't do that thing, but how can they do that thing? When you talk like that to your kids, what's the matter with you? How can you do that? What were you thinking? The answer to all your questions is sin. They're little sinners. And they need to be reminded of a great savior. And the more you dwell on that, you'll you'll exceed me in my ability to stifle it. 1877 282. You got any other advice, Jimmy?
1: No, that's a really tough thing to just deal do. Just do
2: it. You gotta do, just keep doing it. And yeah. you'll get better at it. It's not fake it till you make it, it is laying down patterns through constant discipline. And that's true in every arena of your life. Just do it. Do what you're commanded to do. And it will just become a part of who you are. This this is not secular psychology. This is this is just the way that God grows us. Be obedient even when you don't feel like it. And you'll become more obedient naturally. 1-877-282. <laughs>
1: Hi there, Mr. Dr. Professor Sir Freel. Huh? I recently heard you on Richard mention the fact that Jesus didn't feel shame because he never did anything shameful. I would like to. Love OK, to say, OK. I think he did feel. shame.
2: Yeah. OK. You know what? OK, I see what you're doing here. All right, before I let him shame me, what I meant is that Jesus never had the type of shame that comes from sin. Now, did things get done to him that would be naturally have a proclivity of being shameful? Yeah. Think about the cross.
1: Uh, having his beard ripped out, being slapped. There off, we go! He to be treated that way, although I do agree he never did anything
2: shameful. Very, this, see... Mm, what he just did right there. If you ever hear me say something and go, wait a second, Friel, well, beep talk it or send an email because he's absolutely right. Yes, shameful things. He bore our shame. He took on our shame. That's another way he felt it, if you will. Even though he knew no sin, he committed no sin, yet he became sin for us. He became a curse for us. So thank you for calling one eight seven seven two eight two. 282
1: Hello, Brother Friel. I'm
2: just asking a question about the whole church thing, finding churches. I'm seventeen and still living under my parents' roof. I think at this moment we should all be encouraged. Seventeen year old trying to figure out this whole church thing. Hmm. Oh my God bless his heart. And I don't mean that. Like we typically mean it in Georgia.
1: I go to a church and I love the church. I love the people there. But every Sunday I come, I feel like I'm not getting anything out of it. And I know I'm not supposed to get thing out, things out of it. I serve all the time. But when I sit down, I want to learn. And I want to learn more about my God. I find mm-hmm. that it so much easier to look up a sermon from R.C. Sproul or John MacArthur than, and more satisfying that too than it is to go to my own church I'm wondering whether you have any advice on that because I don't want to feel like I'm being a traitor to my church by not listening to the sermons consistently and listening to others. But I also don't want to be spiritually in a desert because of shallow preaching.
2: Dude, you looking for a job?
1: <laughs> you trying to fire me? Wait, wait. Nuts. <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> mm.
2: Sharp young man asking a great question. You attend a church. Here's, here's how we're going to paint the picture of this church. It's not heretical. It's small, o orthodox, but milk is what gets poured out of the pulpit. And you would like yourself some steak. And by the way, I have a confession to make. These days, I want a lot of steak. I hadn't eat red meat for 40 years. And now I am, <laughs> and I'm making up for lost time, baby. Rah! Give me something. And it's getting rarer started out. Okay. I'm going to try a steak, uh, like medium. Well, let's make, cause I'm, you know, the fleshy thing. I'm not used to that. Exactly. Medium, please. Medium, rare. Do you have to put it on the, the griddle at all? <laughs> Just give me some meat. This young man is at a church where he's not being fed that he's being given milk. What should he do? Now, we need to consider a couple of things before we arrive at a conclusion. Circumstances. What are the options? Do you have any other churches you could go to where they do serve meat? Hold on, there's more considerations. Family. Do they go there? You're living at home. You're underneath your parents' roof. You're not being taught heresy. You're just not being fed as much as you'd like to. That should be considered. What about the family family? that is growing. Mom and dad are growing and suddenly they're discovering, "Whoa, the Bible is so rich. I love expository preaching. And now you suddenly realize all I'm getting is topical. They're not teaching heresy, but it's fiffle. That's right, fiffle. And you're wondering, should you go? Hold on. Are the kids involved? Are they they being taught anything good? Is the youth pastor maybe different than the senior pastor who's preaching? How into the church are you? What are the ages of your kids? You know, they're two, three years old, a young age. If you're going to a bad church like a bad church or you simply want to leave your church because there's a much better option for you and your family and your long-term spiritual health, then pluck them out and go. But now they're 17. they're and they like actually going to church.. So consider all of those things. And then ultimately we should try we should try to be in a church. That does serve meat. But having said that, I don't think it should be just snap, leave a church because it's a little milky. So what could you do if you choose to stay? And I think that that is a valid option. Then you'll have to keep listening to R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur sermons. Go to find out the Bible study. There's somebody in your church that teaches a decent Bible study. Go to that. You you'll have to get your meat perhaps elsewhere, because some of these different considerations and circumstances around my life and my church and they 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 indicate you should probably stay there then get fed elsewhere. and if you do stay, there is something that you could actually do. get into a place of influence. That's right. I said influence. that's sort of like insurance versus insurance <laughs> in. Influence. See, I'm becoming a Southerner. You are. I am, actually. It's been freezing around here. It's dipping into, like, the mid-30s. I'm from Minnesota. Are you kidding me? 30, we were running around in a bathing suit in the 30s in Minnesota. You come here and it's like, <laughs> get into a place of influence and start trying to make some changes. Here's another idea. You teach a Bible study. you go and get meat because you're going to be studying the word. Perhaps if you get into a place of leadership, you become a deacon. Maybe you even become an elder. Now you're going to have some influence on your pastor. You don't want to get into that role. Then become closer to your pastor not merely with an agenda that I'm going to teach this guy about expository preaching and he needs to get Herman who available at wretched.org, but because he's your pastor, you love him. And maybe just maybe the closer you get to him, the more you could suggest, you know, pastor, I got to tell you, brother, that sermon that you did on Sunday. Wow. It was meaty. It was great. And I really felt fed. Thanks for that sermon. Okay, you didn't diss him, you didn't trash him, you didn't say you're a milk pourer, but you encouraged him. Maybe he needs that. He's been battered by the evangelical culture, which says, milk, milk, give the dum-dums milk. You won't keep them if you don't give them milk. Maybe they need to hear a different message. Sir, we want meat. Sir, we would see Jesus this, Is Wretched Radio Two.
1: You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners. Some have workout partners. Everybody needs accountability partners. Then there are partners in crime, which I don't recommend. You've got marriage partners, which I do recommend. And of course, we can't forget the Wretched Gospel Partner. Our gospel partners make what we're able to do here at Wretched possible. Without you guys, there is no Wretched. You have faithfully and consistently helped Wretched reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and for that we humbly thank you. And if you haven't done so, would you please prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner with Wretched? You can know that your generous gifts will be faithfully stewarded away. So would you number 1 please pray for us, and number 2 would you also pray about how you could support Wretched as a monthly gospel partner? Get more details on how you can do just that right now at wretched.org/donate. That's wretched.org/donate. Your are familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is
2: preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture and all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? org slash Bible.
0: Revelation. How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Ha! Guess what I have!
1: You you love our signs.
0: You know you love You
1: know you love Straight it. from the big guy We know just what he'd say Like, don't oh, maybe come down there So then we put it on the freeway Indeed! This
2: is Wretched Radio. Why don't you call one 877 you see a church sign It can be a good one if you stumble across one of those nuggets. Or it can be a stinker. Or you could call in and talk about the signs on the side of the road that I saw from South Carolina back to Georgia. I've been aching to share these <laughs> because I was in... Wow, was it last Wednesday? I had the privilege of being at a missions conference. Oh, oh, I was not quite prepared for what went down. First of all, we were in Beaufort. It's not Beaufort. That's that's the city in North Carolina. Beaufort, even though they're spelled exactly the same way, is located in South Carolina. So think beautiful Beaufort. And it is 12,000 souls. I think all of them belong to the church. <laughs> Dr Carl Brogie pastors for the last I think he's been at it for 40 years. wow the fruit that God has borne there I drove up it was a massive church. this is the second time this happened. Jimmy, it was at your church when we did that marriage evening yes a few weeks ago uh-huh. I was just kind of expecting a little you know little red brick sort of affair that you see <sighs> everywhere around here a big church yeah and then South okay how many people live up there about eight. But it's still a big church. So it's attracting people. The church that I was just at in South Carolina was actually even bigger than your church, like Mm. double, triple. Oh, wow. In the middle of nowhere. That was encouraging. (laughs) Know that God is still building his kingdom. He still has good churches out there. So I pulled up and I was immediately encouraged, so thrilled, and I know that Carl, he preaches like nobody's business. He's rock-solid sound, and people are being fed meat. We were then on the platform, which I got to confess to you, I'm just not quite used to that. There are some churches where the preacher gets up on the platform during the worship and everything. I just – I, see, I'd like to have my face pointed in the same direction as yours because otherwise it just – For me, feels, nevertheless, there I sit. And they were going to do a parade of missionaries. They support, this one church supports missionaries from over 300 countries. Or 300 missionaries, I should say. Different countries, some multiples, et cetera. Even some in the States. Hundreds. Did I mention it's in the Middle of nowhere, it's gorgeous on the coast there, but we're talking 12,000 people in a big county. They support over 300 missionaries. That's just staggering. Not only they've got a radio station that we have the privilege of being on and I mean, it's cooking there. So they said you get up on the, the platform, there's going to be some music. <sighs> so encouraged. The kids sang, the kids participated. If you happen to be young, this will make no sense to you until you're like way older. But you encourage us when you do church things, we watch, we see it and we go, yeah, that that's good. God is working in the hearts of young people. I was so encouraged because there were dozens of them participating. the big choir. They were playing their instruments. Okay. All right. I admit it. There was one deficiency with the church. Didn't appear to have a pipe organ, but nevertheless, we can <laughs> still have some fellowship together. So the the, the orchestra in the, 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 the choir, everything is going on. Bagpipes come walking out into the stage as they start bagpiping Amazing Grace. And then the missionaries started walking down the aisles with the flag from their nation. See, that's why I don't want to be sitting up on the platform. I don't want you to see me crying because it was so moving to see this. And you couldn't help but say every tribe, every tongue, every language. There it is. This is a a foretaste of what it is going to be like at the marriage feast of the lamb. All of these different people, different skin colors. And then this was great because I'm sitting on the platform with Dr. Brogy. And he leaned over and said, look at the front row. And I said, Pastor, shouldn't you be paying attention? And he said, I'm going to church discipline you. In the front row, there's a Ukrainian missionary and a Russian missionary side by side. Whoa. Whoa. Aw. Some. So I left there full thinking I have no more room for encouragement until I hit the highway. This brings us back to church signs. You thought we were on a detour, which we were. But now we're back on the main drag and somewhere in South Carolina on this two lane highway each way. So four lanes, if you will, divided. There were these they were really a a, a not pretty kind of a gaudy yellow signs on the side of the with big red print. That You couldn't miss them. They stuck out. Somebody was using their noodle. They stuck, you know, all the billboards. You know, sometimes you look, other times. They're just there. They're like a tree or a cell phone tower. But these, like, popped out. And it's the first one that I saw said, sin has consequences. Repent and trust Jesus. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Then there was another one I'm paraphrasing this one it was actually a little longer but huge letters and you could you got it pretty fast. Um Jesus is coming back repent and and trust in him something along those lines. Wow, I was so knocked out and so encouraged and I was reminded there's such an opportunity on our church signs to actually preach a good message, let's see if you've discovered any of them. There, church signs 282 B.
1: Church sign. Jesus always keeps his promises. And then it's a picture of two hands doing a pinky promise. It's a
2: it's a thing of the what?
1: Um, I didn't catch that. Oh, you were you were the church one sign. who edited it. I know it. Jesus always keeps his promises. And then it's a picture of two hands doing a pinky promise. It's a picture of who doing what? I think he said uh, two hands. The um, the pinky swear. Yeah, yeah, the pinky oh, swear. Yeah.
2: Oh, he pinky swears with us. <laughs> oh. Does Jesus always keep his promises? Yes, he does. Never fails. Immutable. Never changing. You'll never be disappointed with Jesus. How's about we present him as such a grand savior and maybe... Maybe pinky promises just ain't. By the way, you know where you get the pinky promise from? The Bible. Mm. It's it's basically you're cutting a covenant. There's not a mandated way to do that in the Bible, but historically we will see the killing of an animal, the separating of the body, shedding of blood, walking through the animal, taking an oath unto death. If you break your vow, a celebration after the meal, you sometimes will see the exchange of weaponry, it, it's. I, so I give you my sword, you give me your shield. It's as if to say, look, I, I, I want you to live. I'm giving you my weapon of protection because you are now my blood brother, which is frequently what they would do. There could be a slitting of the wrists, the blood brother thing put together. Then sometimes they'd even put sand inside of that cut so that there was a seal of the covenant, a physical reminder on your body to go, oh, look at that. Yep, I'm in a promise with somebody that I I absolutely can't break or God could do to me what we did to this animal. So now it's come down to blood brothers sometimes. I don't know that we see that anymore. But pinky swear is actually a sort of covenant-cutting symbol. Church shirt. Actually, you'd never. Wait, church shirt? Yep, church shirt. No, I didn't hear that in the opening jingle. (laughs) Are we now accepting church shirts? Sure. I think so too. (laughs) Or bumper stickers, whatever.
1: Church shirt. Actually, you'd never catch me wearing this shirt at church or anywhere for that matter. It says this, the armor of God has no pants. I don't
2: know. All right. Is anybody else thinking about Paul Washer right now?
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Do
2: you remember the great Paul Washer sermon? What are you laughing at? I'm talking about you, Sermon the youth. If you haven't seen it, go go look up on the YouTube machine, Paul Washer, shocking youth message. You will be captivated for fifty minutes where he just set the room on fire. and he was he was saying, he, I'm not going to do this justice. Who can? Okay, maybe Jeremiah. But besides him, nobody can quite match Paul Washer's emotion and his passion when it comes to preaching. People that call themselves Christians, they look like the world. They smell like the world. They act like the world. And as you would expect, because it reached a crescendo, all the kids started to applaud. And he steps forward, glares at them and says, I don't know what you're applauding. I'm talking about you. (laughs) Then he talks about a boy, Andrew Myman, I think is how you pronounce it, little boy. Got killed in a foreign land. They shot him in the guts, and he's lying in his own blood, saying, "You'll have to kill me because I will not deny Jesus Christ." And you call yourself a Christian because you wear a T-shirt?
1: Oh, oh! But the armor of God has no pants. <laughs> 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 Oh, if we
2: were just all more like Andrew Maiman, especially t-shirt designers. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.